There is this uh, legend, it's more real than a legend, but uh, we had this, uh, probably because of the British, we have a lot of this um, taste for the, the tea, okay? So we have a lot of tea. And when it came from uh, the broad from Brazil and Africa, the, the coffee, the coffee was very, how you say in English? Amargo? Yes, uh, sour, bitter, bitter. Yeah, bitter, a little bit bitter. And so the clients, the, the, when they receive the coffee, oh, this is a new drink we want to, to sell. Uh, this is new. And the people were like, oh, this is very bitter. And, uh, and they didn't like it. And so what the story tells is that the, the owners of the cafe tell to the employees, like, go to the guys, the clients, and tell them, drink this with sugar. So Bica in Portuguese says, it's the same, drink this with sugar. Beba, be, com açúcar. Okay. So it was the drink that you should drink with sugar, Bika. Olá e bem-vindo. Welcome to the Simple Life, an insider's perspective into Portugal. We already know about Portugal's amazing weather, food and people. In this podcast we go deeper and meet the real people who make this country so wonderful. Dylan, who has made his life in Portugal, shares an insider's perspective into what makes Portugal the unique, beautiful and amazing country that it is. Join him and his guests every week as they shed some light on the incredible people, culture, history and lifestyle that makes Portugal so appealing. A country where everyone feels like they belong. This podcast is sponsored by Portugal Realty. Welcome to The Simple Life. On this week's episode, I'm joined by Alexandra Kaldish. Alexandra is an award-winning designer, a business owner. And Alexandra is responsible for taking an iconic Portuguese chair, elevating it and bringing it back to life. And for those of you who have visited Portugal, you have seen this chair everywhere without possibly knowing that you've seen this chair everywhere. We discuss amongst other things, Alexandra's upbringing and background and how it led him to the work that he's doing today what he loves about living in Portugal and exploring different parts of the country, the interesting story behind the Bika chair, and how Alexandra is inspired by the old generation of craftsmen and craftwomen, the pride they take, the passion they take in their work, and how this has inspired him to use a hands-on approach in the way he designs. For those of you listening, Head over to our YouTube channel to watch some of this episode. And now over to my conversation with Alexandre. Welcome back or welcome to another episode of Portugal, The Simple Life. And I'm delighted to be joined here by Alexandre Kaldas. Alexandre, how are you? Thank you for being on the podcast. Well, um, I thank you for your, for your invite. It's, it's really a pleasure to be here. I'm good. Yeah, um, we, we were speaking before we started recording. You, you just had a nice trip with the family in a, in a camper van uh, through parts of the country. It was good. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really good. It's something that, um, well, I'm almost 50 years old now and, uh, and I'm still amazed with the country we have, although it's a small country, but we have this every year we make like one week, week and a half exploring, you know, the, the countryside. And, and there's something always new to explore. And because we travel with the, with the dogs as well, so we need a little bit of freedom. And then we go to Algarve for another two weeks. But we have all, every year we have one or two weeks to explore 
you know, the places in the in the interior of Portugal that we don't know about. And it's it's, it's every time we go, it's, uh, it's we find something new. It's really cool. Yeah, it's one of the special things about our country. There's always a surprise uh, somewhere. You know, it's uh, it's great. Yeah, it is. And I I used to do and I do every year. Another thing is I ride a bike. And so okay. I take like three, three days just for myself. I just, you know, get grab the bike and then I just go without without any anything scheduled, anything booked on. So and I try to to find, you know, this small space. I see a road and I go there. I see something that say, you know, beach or something, a lake or and I try and every year I be I'm, I'm amazed with it with all amazing, amazing, and in this small in the small in the small country. Yeah, we'll speak a bit more about our, our small but amazing amazing country. But Alshandra, why didn't you start off by telling us a little bit about you? Oh, well, I'm a, my name is Alshandra Calder, so and um, I'm a, I'm a designer now. Uh, although designer is what I do, so but I'm not um, an academic one. So I learn. Um, being around furniture and being around the factory and being around, you know, all the people that worked in the field. And so at some point I realized, well, to be honest, it wasn't me that realized what people from, you know, that was around me that say, look, Alex, what you are doing is design. So, and so, well, I'm a designer. That's why, so I am. And I created two brands around the tree. It's one of the brands I have where my wife, it's in a part of uh, marketing and I'm with the design. And then I have Bika Chair. It's my own project. It's my baby. And I do everything there. So I'm a CEO, designer and marketing strategy. So it's one of the things I do. And, and to be honest with you, I'm not, my, my goal and what I do in my life is not the design. This is something that happens. But uh, what I really focused on is to tell the world that we are more than you know, good weather, good fish, and we have also great design and and, and a lot of stuff. So that's my that's my work. Brilliant, brilliant. Where, whereabouts are you based? Um, I'll send. Where do you where do you live? Well, I'm living in Oeiras. It's okay. Okay. I live near the national stadium when you know when they do the final cup and everything. Jamor. Yeah, I'm. I'm really. I was there. there the other day. Yeah, and yeah. it's a cool place to live. It's. It's not in the center of Lisbon, but uh, it's in, in the other side, but you're connected to, to all the country. So I we just loved here. And very, then very green, very green. It is, it is. It's beautiful. We have a door in our condominium. We have a, a door to the national stadium. So we just opened the door. Oh, that's cool. And we're there. So we can ride a skateboard to the beach. Uh, we can go with the dogs and it's perfect. And the company is based near uh, Tagus Park in Oeiras as well. So we okay. have uh, okay. there. So okay. we have here. And are you from? Are you from Lisbon, or are you from another part of the country? No, I was born in Dusseldorf in Germany. Oh my goodness! Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. My, my father and my mother they just in, uh, in the seventies. Yeah, they they went to to Germany to work, and I was born there. So I just Amazing. came to Portugal when I was four years old. Okay, and they came back. They came back home. Yeah, they came back home after. Okay, I was born in the year of the revolution in seventy four, and so um, they they decided to come back, and and then and I just came. So I have this, you know, Latin way, but uh, but I also have in the back of my mind, you know, the German mind of you know trying to do the things, you know, 
very strict. Correctly, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I have a mix of, of this. It's a good combination to have, you know? It's a good combination to have. I think so, especially in Portugal, because, well, I love I love the Portuguese people and I love my country, but we have, if, if, if I can speak now, but we have this thing, and you probably already know it and, and you, you you step on it, it's desenrasca, you know? We have speak this about thing. it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Everybody, it has so, its benefits and its negative aspects to it. It sure. is, it is, because if you if you have this idea when we were in the in the 15th century, when we divided the world into the Spanish and the caravels and the boats, of course it's good to have a Portuguese around because you have to find something to go to the next port or to you know to get to the shore. And the spirit of the Zerashka is good, it's great. Like a problem solver. Yeah. But when you work here, when you have a company here, and you try to, to work with the guys into the upholstery, the structures, the metal, the wood, and that kind of stuff. And you, when you have that spirit, uh, sometimes it's a little bit tricky you know, because you want the things to be done once and you don't want the spirit of the Zerashka and then you have in the, you know, in the future something yeah. to deal yeah, with. Because the Zinhashka implies that something has gone wrong and we need a last we need a last minute solution. We need to think quickly. Yeah. Uh, and and you can avoid that if you plan and you prepare and yeah. It so is, it's, it is. It's a double edged sword, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good. If you have a problem in your car and you have to go to the next garage, it's cool. But when you put it on your daily basis, on your you know, when you work, uh it, it's a problem sometimes in the in the future. Yeah, yeah, right? for sure. For sure. And, I mean, how did you get into this work that you that you that you're doing now? I mean, how did you? And you mentioned that you're not a you're a designer, not academically, but just by the actual working with your hands and and yeah. trying. And so, how did it work out that you got into this this line of work, Alshant? Well, it happens that I, when I was 15 years old, my father um, came across a company where he works when he was a kid, and the company was like you know bankrupt. It was finish of the line. And so my father um, decided to, you know, to keep the company, to, to go to work there and try to do something about it. And so when I was a kid, I was normally in the vacations of the school. I, I would go to the, to the company and help uh, with, uh, with the things we had to do. If we had to paint or cut wood or you know, bend tubes or whatever. And I saw how the thing worked there and how the design came across and how they developed the things. It was back in the 80s. And so, um, and well, since I was a kid, I was very interested, you know, in making stuff with my hands, painting and that kind of stuff. And so at some point, um, I started to creating these new designs, new chairs, tables, and that kind of stuff. And in 2013, um, when the crisis came, you know, in Portugal, and um, I needed to, to, you know, to get a, a way out of it, and so I decided. I decided to create around the tree, and around the tree is a brand that it's um, well, it's based on design. And so at that point, I just you know push all the strings, my background motions, and I say, well, I'm going to design you know furniture. And at that point, I think I did a good job. Well, not not saying by me, but you, you, you gained some international awards and stuff. And I realized, yeah, well, I can do that. I can. I can. You know. Um, try to find solutions for problems in the furniture and, and etc and create something out of of nothing and and so i started to creating products uh, for for this around the tree brand that we have 
and it was very very welcoming in the in the in the design uh, community. And uh, then um, a few years ago, I decided to to create this bigger chair project because when I was fifteen, my father um, he was um, the company he he went he entered to you know to make something out of it was one of the companies that made this traditional chair that you see on our cafes and terraces all over the country. And, um, and so I fell in love for that particular chair. And since then I was, I, I remember I was a very young kid. I tell to my father that, look, for me, this chair, is like the Beetle, you know, the Volkswagen Beetle, the car, it's like this. But when I traveled the world in 2013, um, you know, in Salon, in Objet, in Miami, whatever, in Dubai, in all the exhibitions in Germany of design, I noticed that every, you know, every country, I think that at least uh, most of the countries have an iconic design chair from an architect, like we have Charles Eames, Hans Wagner, whatever, Alvar Aalto. And we had this chair, you know, 70 years old um, in our culture in all the terraces and cafes that was normally made and major made uh, for these big beverage companies. You know, you saw like 10,000 chairs, Coca-Cola, Sagres, Superboc, and it has no real value. You know, people could be uh, living with a chair for 50 years and you ask them, you know, what this chair, the story, and you say, no, I don't know. So it became like a, a, th a drive for me to, we have to tell this story. Mm -hmm. And this became with my father. I, I tried to, you know, to tell him, look, we have to, you know, we have to take this and, and tell the world because it's a genius design. It's very simple. It's beautiful. And it's very versatile, you know. Versatile, yeah. A lot of, yeah. And, uh, but, you know, he didn't care because he had this way of working every day. And so I, at some point I just stopped. I, I get in another life. I did, then I went to to create the, the first factory in Portugal that's of skateboard, was Gazoo skateboards, longboards. Oh, really? wow. Yeah. So because I didn't want to get a clash with my father, but at, at some point I realized that they, they will not do it. So someone has to do it. And so I had around the tree at the point. So I have a lot of connections and I know how the market works in terms of design. And so I decided, okay, let's do something out of this chair. And uh, completely different because uh, Bicca Chair, we have five collections at this point. Four of them are for interior. So we want to take the chair into interiors as well. Not only sell it in the summer for outdoors. And, and we started to work on the narrative and the story, you know. Mm. Uh, we don't sell chairs, we sell a story. That's what yeah. we do. And, uh, and it's, it's been a marvelous surprise. 85% of what you do is to export. France, Germany, oh, the wow. USA as well. Um, the British market now, it's a little bit weird because of the Brexit. But, uh, but yeah, we are very keen about what we are doing because, you know, we, we are getting this, this story out. And, and the feedback is that uh, most of designers and, and architects in abroad at some point they say, wow, we didn't know that Portugal had, you know, this taste for design. And, um, and that's what, what I'm trying to do at this point. That's my right. joke. We are coming back to the taste of design thing that you just said. I want to come back to that. So if I forget, remind me, because this is something that is completely unassuming and lost uh, in Portugal uh, that people don't realize. 
but just bring let's come back to the chair quickly um i'll show you so it's, it's called the beaker chair you've got it, one behind you over there and one on your terrace at the yeah on the yeah, one side and one on the other yeah. has it always been called the beaker chair no 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 the okay. the name that normally uh, people know it is a portuguese chair because it's like a national symbol and uh, we to this project we call it the beaker because the chair that we are um, working with the design, the original design, it was built and it was made in Lisbon. And so for uh, Lisbon Cafe in the 1950s. And so, you know, probably you already heard when you want an espresso in Lisbon, you ask for a beacon. Yes. So in the north is Simbalino, in Lisbon That's it's right. So we thought, yeah, beacon could be cool because, you know, it was a chair from the Lisbon cafes. Lisbon Cafe, it's a beaker. And most interesting, I don't know if you know why you we call it beaker. You know I don't know, actually. Is? I know the one in Porto is because of the, 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 the name of the machine, right? Yeah, Simbolino, yeah. Simbolino was the name of the machine that made the coffee. But beaker, I don't actually know. Why is it called beaker? No, there is this uh, legend. It's more real than a legend. But uh, we had this, uh, probably because of the British, we have a lot of this um, taste for the, the tea. Okay, so we have a lot of tea. And when it came from uh, the the broad from Brazil and Africa, the, the coffee, the coffee was very how you say in English amargo. Yes, uh, sour, bitter, bitter. Yeah, bitter, a little bit bitter. And so the clients, the the when they received the coffee, oh, this is a new drink we want to to sell. Uh, this is new, and the people were like, oh, this is very bitter, and uh, and they didn't like it. And so what the story tells is that the, the owners of the cafe tell to the employees like. Go to the guys, to the clients, and tell them, drink this with sugar. So Bica in Portuguese says, it's the same, drink this with sugar. Beba, be, sugar. So it was the drink that you should drink with sugar. Bica. Yeah. So it's, it's a cool name because it's it's Lisbon, it's Bica, and the, the name is very... So there's we decided... A, there's a similar story with that, with the name T as well. You know about that story? No, the tea. So, so the 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 Portuguese queen would go to the UK, mm. and they would transport her tea. But on the boxes, it would say um, "Transport Ervas Aromaticas." Okay. Yeah, <laughs> and the the British then called it tea. Oh, interesting. Cool. Yeah, yeah interesting. It's a I think it's, yeah, the strong behind the name is important. I think it's funny. And, it's funny. And we had this beaker. It's a traditional Lisbon. How we say express. Yeah. And the chair is traditional design in Lisbon, so it makes all the sense. Well, this is what drew my eye to to you, what you're doing, um, and 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 the story of this chair, because everybody, even if they don't know they've seen this chair, everybody has seen this chair in Portugal. It's it's part of it. You know, it's a perfect shape. You can sit, you can rest your arm, you can drink your your beaker or your imperial. You know, it's got that nice shape. It's comfortable, uh, and this chair everywhere you look, it's it's there. And and you guys have now taken this symbolic thing and elevated it, um, which is which is beautiful. Yeah, I think that's very important because Portugal, for uh, and still today in some areas, uh, we are a little bit connected with the guys that know how to do it, but we don't work brands, okay? And so the thing is that the price of the chair it's very cheap. The quality is very low. And what we wanted to do with Bica was going back to the to the roots, okay? So Mr. Gonzalo Rodrigo Santos and Serafim Pintuleto was the, the two guys that created the chair. 
And there was there were guys from quality. If you, I have two chairs from the 1950s. If you look at them, you see, wow, the guys were doing something great. And the chairs used, they sell in our days, even the, the companies that uh, are in the market for many years. And they try, you know, probably because of the profit and the, the, the price, they have to sell it in big scale. And they lost that part, you know, the quality, the attention to details. And so what I decided to do is go back to the roots, to the original. Uh, of course, our chair is, is more expensive than the rest of our competition, but uh, we decided that we wanted to do something different. So for you to have an, an idea, our chair, we don't use water in any process. And at the other chairs, you have the anti-corrosion treatment, the electrozinc, and so it's a chemical process with water inside. We don't use it. So everything is dry, everything is recycled, uh, the anti-corrosion treatments as well. Um, the woods are made from FSC woods um, that are certificated. The oils come from Germany. They are made by base of fruit and nuts. So it was a completely different mindset for what the Portuguese companies were doing. And well, we think that's the way to go. And then if you want to have really an icon, it has to resist through the future. Okay. So quality is something that you have to invest. And this idea of, and I know a lot of people that buy chairs, cheap chairs like this, say, okay, it's, you know, just as long as they live for three, four years, it's okay. Uh, that never let you have an iconic design through, through history because um, they have to, you know, to be, to be strong. Durable. You have to buy it and have it to, for 10, 20 years in your balcony if you want. And that's yeah. how you create a brand. And I think that's one of the things that's, because of the chair was never um, very, uh, how do you say, embraced outside of Rod Portugal because the patterns of quality, if you buy a Tolix chair or a Fermob or a different chair, you know that it's built to resist and it's to stay. And our chair, our Portuguese chair was always a, a cheap chair, you know, the quality is not very good, although the design is perfect. Yeah, so big yeah. chair is trying to to get this shift. Yeah, the idea with the chair was for it to be used uh, to a new line of, of chairs for marketing purposes every summer kind of thing. And so, yeah, because yeah. the beverage companies and the coffee companies, they have this contract of four years or something like that. So, you know, it's to, it's to change. But if you yeah. want really an icon, you know, yeah. I don't know if Porsche could be what it is today if the cars only last three or four years. So. Exactly. So exactly. I think quality is an investment. I mean, uh, I'll send you into in terms of the but I mean you you've spoken about how um, the story behind the chairs is, is is special. Um I mean how important is it for you? You know, we have we have this beautiful part of our culture. It's not unique to Portugal, but it is something that is special here and something that is still cherished with stories. Yeah. Stories behind a brand, stories behind a product, stories behind a building or a piece of architecture. Um, yeah. We love telling the story behind it. How important was for, for you to maintain the story of this this iconic um, chair? Well, I think stories are everything. You know, um, design is also a way of telling stories, and uh, it's uh, it's very important because uh, I think that well, if you if you talk about culture of a country, if you don't have stories to tell, well, what is it? You know, I think the stories are very important. And Portugal has a big problem in terms of marketing. We are very bad at marketing. We discovered marketing too late, I think. The Americans are very good at marketing. <laughs> they market like the, the best sunset ever in the key islands. And I think that they never saw ours in, 
Al Jazeera or, or in Gincho, but, um, but we lost that. And so I think that we need to tell this beautiful story. If you see, for example, the work of Joana Vasconcelos, or, you know, these traditions that they put on the things she does, um, they came with a, a bunch of stories again, again. So I think that the story is everything. If you, if you don't have a story to tell, if you have a product or something, what is the value of it? You know, a big story, a great story. And Portugal, because of our history and uh, it's known around the world, we have a big, a big, um, a big chunk of stories that are hidden, uh, like small secrets that we don't use it as a marketing tool. And it's cool because you are, you know, when people come here, that they, they find a lot of things. Um, but I think the the Portuguese people in the country could be a little bit in another level if we knew how to tell these stories and if we bet on quality and a lot of stuff. So I think we're getting there, okay? But we are a little bit late, I think. That's what I, I feel when I travel around the world. Interesting. Um, and for you, I mean... Um... We have a, we have a, a we know, to, to, putting aside the, these old plastic chairs that would break if the wrong person sat on them, uh, or at the end of the lunch, uh, they could, uh, the, the one leg maybe would break if it's been too yeah. long in the sun. But um, one of the things that I appreciate in this country, Alshanda, and, and that I've seen, and you see it everywhere that you go in terms of any kind of craft, any kind of um, um uh, craftsmanship and you know you see it in, in our azulejos in uh, our knitting in some of our fabric work um, we're one of the biggest exporters of shoes in the world and there's this pride in working with our with our hands um, was that an important influence for you in in the way that you designed the way that you worked yes it is it is not so much on this project the bigger chair because it's a simple chair in two um, but for example, in the round the tree, it was really a, a big, a big thing, because we work apart in a machinery, five axes, CNCs, robotics, and then we are very related on the craftsmanship and the old guys that are doing it. We have a major problem in this country. Well, it's not in this country. Certainly, I think it's around all Europe and the U.S. and the developing countries. That's we are really losing the craftsmanship. You know, the old guys are, you know, retiring, yeah. and uh, and the, the the new generations don't want to do it. And um, and we are we are still working with some old people that are doing the best they can. But um, as I told you in the beginning, although this is really romantic and it's beautiful because I love to work with them, and every time I design, I think about Sirak. I think that. Uh, Senora Daddy to could do this with the machinery they have, with the, with the, with the skills they have. Okay, now I'm going to change the design because I know that at this point he could do it. Or any other guy that have like a robotic CNC. Okay, I can, you know, be a little more, um, I can do a design a little bit more, you know, uh, strong or, or different because I know the guy has the skills. So I try to work with this craftsmanship um, capacity that we have. Um, but again, I also have, and I, you mentioned, we are very good on, on the shoes, for example, and other areas. I don't know how the industry in the shoe industry evolves, but 
I think that the, the Zerrashka must be out of it. Okay, you have to yeah. pick up the, these good qualities of craftsmanship, and you have to take the the people. And it's something I'm constantly doing every time I'm speaking with my suppliers and with with the craftsmanship people in in the yeah. post. Please, please do your best. You know, be you don't don't leave that little bit of the Zerrashka uh, when we are doing the stuff. And when you when you when you get people that understand this. Uh, I think we are, we have a good quality, one of the best in the world to produce something. You just have to take this Zenrashka out of the way and the craft machine and the know-how, it's it's there. Yeah, it's there. Well, again, I mean, there's something that I wanted to, to come back on early on and, and this quality of craftsmanship in our work um, and to a certain degree is, hasn't got to a massive scale, which is maybe a, a good thing. Yeah. Um, that we haven't scaled to the level of a place like America or, or other places where we kind of still have that that artisanal mindset, you know, although the word artisanal is, is a, a fancy word these days, but for us it's in Portugal it's been quite normal that you you do things yeah. with your hand, you make as much as you can, and then if you can't do more than that, you want to maintain the, the, the thing that you're making. Um, this is something that I think surprises people that there is this level of craftsmanship um, embedded in our culture of making beautiful things and that pride yeah okay the Dismachishkat needs to be tempered down a little bit but that pride in in craft that pride in the hands-on approach you know touching and 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 doing things with your hands is something that is so beautiful in in the culture here it, it is but I think I I had the chance when we were in um we were in an event with the government and I had the chance at some point to to be with the prime minister because he loves uh, the, uh, the I have a locust desk, a working desk, and he's he's crazy about the, the desk. So he came to me and said, Alex, I love your desk. And it was we were having this chat, and he's telling me, Alex, how can we do for not losing this craftsmanship? You know, these old people that have this craftsmanship is something of our identity is very important for the things we do. How, how can we do it? Because we are losing it. And I say, well, we need a little bit of more marketing because at this point, and I'm gonna talk against me, but for example, when I go to Milano or another exhibition, you have always constantly this thing about the designer. You know, I went to Dubai and, uh, and uh, the diplomat, uh, the ambassadors, when he saw the, the, the stand and the pieces, he said, oh, where is the designer? I want to speak with the designers. So it's very, cool to speak with the designer. It's like in the restaurant, you go to the chef, you know, want to speak to. but it's very important to, to add value and to, to give a little bit of a stage, you know, and presence to the people behind the designer. You know, the guys are making stuff because if they don't have, you know, this contact, they will lose, you know, because they don't have, they, they do these beautiful pieces and then the pieces go out of the, the door, they close the door and they do another one. So I think that we need uh, in Portugal, probably in other countries, but in Portugal, it's my reality. And what I, we are trying to do now is to, to try to pick these guys that are around us, you know, building stuff and take them with us to Isaloni, to Maison Object, to Paris, to, you know, to see the, the pieces there in Dubai or something. And when somebody asks us, where is the designer? Well, I'm here and this is a master to he's the, the craft machine who did it. So I think that at this point, we need to, to, to give this value because everybody knows that yeah, the craft machine is good, 
but no one knows the craftsmen, you know, where they where they are there. And normally they are closed in some garage or something. And I think that if we can do that in Portugal, that would be very cool because the value could be different, you know, uh, people that come to us and and they could meet, you know, all these this artisans. Yeah. And uh, well, that's something that we want to to embrace in around the Twin Bika chair in the future, because I think yeah. it's very important um, to give voice and to give yeah. things. That, but that sounds like something that's deeply moved you and influenced you in, in, in like you mentioned, you said it at the beginning, you design by learning, by touching, by, you know, the hand, again, the hands-on approach. Um, it's just so beautiful to watch these guys do things and they do it with care and passion and, and they and, and a lot of the time these older guys are actually prepared so they don't have to do as much there's maybe there's a moment or two but but there's just such a beauty in in, in you i mean you see it in so many things uh, an old guy grilling a, a fish or any things the little things that he does and or somebody painting ceramics um yeah. it's a it's a beautiful thing to watch and, and it, lo- it sounds like it's influenced you a lot in your in your work yeah, my mother uh, was a painter at Fabrica Constancia, one of the, the old factories of, uh, of azulejos that we have in, in Lisbon, in Santos. It's closed now. But when I was a kid, I used to go there in my vacations because I don't have any place to, to, to be. So my mother normally, you know, she got to go to me to the work, 7 a.m., just go there. And she handled me like these azulejos to paint because I have to be, you know, something to do. Yeah, do something useful, yeah mobile phones or TV at the point. And so I I was, and even with my father, since I was a kid, uh, he has um, he had a company that um, it was some working on the heating systems. And, 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 uh, and so I was with him, you know, and when I had nothing to do, uh, my leisure time, I was like bored. Well, I have to find a solution to, to get my, myself, um, you know, motivated. So I was looking for stuff and trying to weld things and put some screws on stuff and with my mother painting and so i i think it's from there and i and i i realize it it's um for you to be like a good craftsmanship in the wood or in upholstery or in painting you need those years you know that experience the, the work the time and i don't realize that normally that today people have this uh, have this feeling i'm for example the things i remember most it's I don't know, 10, 10, 15 years ago, if you went to a restaurant, you have a cuisineira, you know, the cook. Yeah. Well, it's a yeah. cuisineira. No one cares about the cuisineira and everybody wants to know the owner of the restaurant. It does fancy. I know the owner of the restaurant. Yeah. And at this point, there is a chef and you want to know the chef. And if the chef goes this place to the other, you go with the chef. And, uh, and uh, you know, it's, and they still have restaurants with the cuisineira. They don't have yeah. a chef. They have a cuisineira. Those are the restaurants I go. Yeah, and you see people, if you don't have a chef, they don't care, you know. They eat the meal, they go away. If they have a chef, sometimes I want to speak with a chef. I want to, you know, and it, and it, at some point, I see the same similarities in the craftsmanship, you know. Mm-hmm. I want to speak with the designer, you know. I, I know the designer, you know. You have this Philip Stark, and then this, you know, it's, it's very cool to have a, you meet yeah. the designer, have a picture with the designer. But, uh, well, no, the guys that do the stuff and that, and, most of the people don't know is that most of the problems that are in the, the first design, they are solved by the craftsmanship people. So the guy just come in, you, Alex, come here, what is it? You cannot do this, you know, because the wood will bend or it cracks or something. Oh, 
thank you. And they solve your problems. They put your product there. And then you come, you know, I'm the designer. I made it. And it's, it's a little bit tricky. And uh, for me, it's a little bit different because I work with products and sometimes I, I solve this because I know how it's done. But the new generation, the 3D, you know, designing stuff, it's what happens. And I, I realize in the field that um, the craftsmanship people are a little bit um, disappointed um, because of this, because they, they produce stuff, they see it on the global market, they see it on the internet and the, and the, the world stage and they don't get any benefit from it. And I think it's something that we have to work on very fast because we are losing them and, and we need them. And, and so their that. skills aren't getting passed down. This is another thing. And I, I, I see you, I, I've seen a couple of your publications on LinkedIn and stuff, and, and you, you've you got these old men that are just, that you can see the way they just touch the wood, that for them there's this beauty yeah. and this authenticity to what they're doing. And unfortunately... We could have an all, whole other podcast episode about the new generation, but um, yeah, we could. We they don't want to. They don't want to learn. They don't want to take the time to to master a skill to to find a way to do it the best way. And um, yeah, these guys. Yeah, it's... For example, yesterday I was in one of our suppliers. Um, is guys like 70, 77, mm-hmm. probably still working. He was there in the Saturday, and he cut three fingers off in the machine. So you could imagine. He has no one to to you know to pass what he knows. Of course, it's a work that you know working seventy years in wood. One day you can chop a finger on a machine or something like that. And he's now with a problem. He can't he can't work because of a hand, and he has no one that knows what he's done. And you look at that and say, wow, what is you yeah. know all this effort? And they don't have the recognition and. It's a mess, and uh, we say constantly, "Oh, we need more craftsmanship. We need, we need, but we are not doing enough to yeah. to help it." And I think it could be very cool because imagine, even for a tourist purpose or whatever, to open, you know, factories and all this stuff. Open too. a workshop, yeah, could be. And people can see. Yeah. I mean, um, let's do the the uh, let's talk about por- your, your Portugal a little bit. This is also something that um, you're passionate about. Uh, you you do two holidays, like you mentioned. So you go you go to, you know you do the nice um, Algarve holiday, but you also have the hands on approach holiday where you get in a van and you go somewhere that you maybe haven't been before and experience something new. Um, yeah. What are the th- and 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 also after traveling so much, Alexandra, um, and going to so many countries, what is it that you appreciate about about those moments where you get to see the real Portugal, the the Portugal that a lot of people might not discover in a catalog? Um, well, I think it's it's really interesting because, um, as I told you, I I travel a little bit around the world, and I think that Portugal has this unique, um, it's a characteristic. I think if you travel. From the south to north, it's 700 kilometers, probably. And the diversity from Algarve, Alentejo, Ribatejo, Beira, Todos Montes, Minho, it's, it's, really, it's really something. Um, I, I think a few months ago, I went to Switzerland, and I just rent a car and go from one point to the other. And it's very cool, you know, Switzerland, you know, this green landscapes, very beautiful, the lakes, but it's the same from one point to the other. If you do the same in Portugal, you'll be amazed with what you find. So you have waterfalls, you have big forests, and then you find these landscapes in near Mertulares, some places that you think you're in Africa, in a savanna. And then you cross it, you have this 
cliffs in Algarve, and it's uh, and and so I I tried to explore because, and I think I don't have time enough to explore. Even if when I die, I could live another one hundred years. Because if you go to in a road and you and you just you know, let me take this one, you'll find something beautiful. If it's um, I don't know, it's a, something related to water or or landscape or food or whatever. And uh, and I well even it's, it was very interesting because my father-in-law and my mother-in-law they traveled a lot around the world. So I think they, they know all the world. Egypt to Thailand to Brazil, whatever, because they have a life that they, they could travel a lot in, 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 in vacations. And when we went, I think it was in, the, um, in 2013 or something, the, the crisis, and they decided, okay, let's explore Portugal now. So they were in the, the 70, 50s, 70s, 60s, 70s, 70 years old. And they started to, you know, to explore Portugal at that time. And they were amazed with the country. You know, you can realize that. So they live here, you know, they travel. But at some point they was like, wow, we have this. Yes, we have. And it's something that I try to tell the people that come here. Just go countryside. Portugal is not Lisbon and Porto. If you just travel, you know, one hour, one hour and a half, something in the interior, you will find them, you will find beautiful places and you'll be amazed. And so that's what I try to do every time I I, you know, if I go with the girls and the dogs, or if I go alone with my bike, I open the map, like old school, you know, put the map on the table, and I go at some point, oh, I've never been here, you know, and I've never been there. Let's see what happens. And it's always a good surprise, uh, to be honest. I don't have I don't have anything to complain about it. Yeah, it's actually a good approach. Just put, the, put a map on the table and just say, hey, that looks that looks interesting. It is. It's cool. It's cool. Because if you open the Google Maps or something, you know, the roads, the big roads out there and the big points. But if you open a map and you just go like, what is this? Let me put a point here. And, it, and, the, and the trip to that place, it's, it's very cool. It's sometimes just as surprising as getting to the place, the things that you discover along the way. It's, uh, yeah. it's special. Yeah. Where was the last place that you went where that, it, that, that truly surprised you? I remember last year I, I explored, um, um, I say Mondin de Bastu, and then you have this Alvao, Alvao, Serra do Alvao. Okay. I was this year with, with the girls and the dogs there. And I was really, really impressed with the uh, waterfalls here. This, you know, just park the car. We used to go to Jerez, and Jerez, you have to park the car, and then you have to walk a lot of miles to go to. And at some yeah. point, you were just driving, stop the car, and there's this waterfall with a big lagoon to swim and to relax. And I was, what? And, uh, and it, although, for example, it was really cool for me. And I find a lot of places that I just, you know, just park my bike and just take for a swim and come back and just ride again. Uh, simple as that. Uh, in, the, in the summer with no one, in, in August and in July, mm -hmm. or in the in beginning of September, in the first days of September, uh, and it was amazing. The only thing I can tell you that it's it's really sad is that the interior of Portugal, it's a little bit um, like the craftsmanship. You know, the old generation, the new generation didn't want to to stay there, and so you see that forgotten like, a little bit. Yeah, lack of people. You could not in August and July because you have the immigrants and the parties. You know, the saints and, and the religious parties. Yeah. The festive, yeah. yeah. But then in September, uh, it, it's a shame. I would like to see Portugal 
with a little bit more of uh, people on the countryside. But yeah, um, I think it's politics. Yeah, there's some beautiful places and 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 beautiful places where you you. you I mean, uh, my wife and I we we like to travel a lot throughout the country, and sometimes we'll go to a place and we'll just look around and go, why aren't there more people here? Like, why isn't this place busier? Because it's from a, a little hotel near, you know, near hot springs or, uh, uh, you know, even the Doru, you know, you're driving around the Doru and you're like, this should, there should be more people in yeah. this, you know, I mean, there's just so many different places. The, the Dao region, we was the last one that we explored, which was just, you know, absolutely beautiful um, and really surprised us. Yeah. Um, and there's nobody around. There's, no one knows that it's there almost. It's insane. Yeah. I hope that, uh, you know, I think the government should have something to, to say about it because when you close um, the post office, when you close uh, an hospital, when you close a school or something, then people don't want to go there. And if, if you have to travel a lot to go. But one of the things I have I've noticed at this point is we have a lot of people that come from other countries to Portugal. And they are getting on this, you know, these villages and these places, buying some properties and and getting sort of a community there as well. And that is one of the things I think it's, it's really cool, not just, you know, getting people in Lisbon. Yeah. But I think most of the people don't want to relax and, and be quiet. And, yeah. and let's be honest, if you want to come to Lisbon, well, it's 45 minutes or something or one hour most. And you can be in Lisbon for a, for a show or for an hospital or something. So... Um, well, yeah, I mean, for, for these people that are coming to to explore different parts of Portugal that are that are outside of Lisbon or Porto or Cascais or the Algarve, you know, those are like the addresses. Yeah. Um, what do you think it is that they're going to discover in these other parts of the country uh, that will attract them and and and, uh, and draw them in? Well, I'm when I was a kid, my my grandmother. I have a grandmother in Cartacho. It's it's countryside here in Lisbon. Uh, it's like forty five minutes from Lisbon, and yeah. I have yeah, and, yeah, and, my, yeah and my other grandmother and grandfather they were from Valença do Minho, so it's it's a border with Spain on the top, and I lived there my summer holidays. So in the summer holidays I used to go there by train. My father and my mother put me on the train, go, and I was a kid. And then I was like two, three months there, you know, getting the cows to eat on, on the country. And, uh, and so it was like a farm they have. It. it was very cool. And one of the things I think it's more, it's really cool in the interior that we don't have in Lisbon, but we have it in some, in some measure, but that is a characteristic. It's when they see people from abroad, they are very welcoming, you know, they embrace you, you know, okay, if you don't speak, German or whatever, they go there, you know, they help you out or they give you something. Or they are not, um, they are not uh, suspicious or something. No, if you go to Alentejo or even in the north, uh, I remember this happens a lot of time. And when we know that, oh, that guy, it's, you know, it's a German guy or it's an English guy, it's, everybody knows the guy, you know, there's something, someone living there. And, and it's easy if you need something from, from the people. Uh, they just knock on the door and they give you something. You know? So I think that probably, I don't know, but probably most of the people that find uh, the interior, the rural part, the countryside, probably, I think that it could, you know, this could be something that they could feel uh, related or, or very pleased with this. I think it's that's something that I feel. I think 
It's very welcomed. You don't have it suspicious. Oh, who is this guy that come from? No, normally we open the doors and you come and eat with us or something like that. I think we have this. So I hope that could be one of the... Yeah, for sure. I, I believe so. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, um, I've been here for 14 years and I settled in an area uh, north of, of Lisbon, Zona West. Yeah. And it's like that, you know, it's just simple and um, the people are friendly and we still have those traditional Tuskers and you have the fishermen and you have the agriculture, the Zona Saloyu and yeah, you know, these things are, are still special and deeply rooted in the Portuguese way and still exist in, in some parts of the country, which is wonderful to to discover. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think we are very welcoming with with the people that came from abroad. So um, well, it's 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 a thing we do. I remember my one of the things I remember the most when I was a kid, I was living here in Oedas as well. And we have, you know, the brand, the German brand Grundig, TV sets back yes. in the 80s. Grundig, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the headquarters was in front of our house. And all the week they came these trucks from Germany in the 80s. So they don't have GPS or mobile phones. And at some point, you know, they just went to the curb and just cracked the truck because someone was, you know, on the sidewalks that parked the car. And, and my mother went, when, when she saw that, she went to the, to the, to the window, she said, I have to go there. And she opens the door, she's go down and Russian Deutsch, you know, with, with the guys because she knows how to speak German. And she knew all the cars, you know, she, she knock on doors, hey, you have to take the car off because of, and you know, she solved the problem there. And the guys were very, oh, thank you so much. So this kind of, I, I remember my mother doing this and my grandfather as well. So I think it is something that we have. We don't want to, we don't, we don't like to see people suffer, you know, uh, and if they are discomfortable, we try to help them out. And I don't know, that's probably because we have a revolution when we take a dictator out of, of, the, of the power without even killing one person and do the flower on the gun. So maybe it's like that because maybe we don't like to see people suffer. So we are constantly seeing if everything's yeah. okay and, and doing that part. Yeah, yeah, for, uh, that makes sense. Makes perfect sense. Alessandra, I've, I've enjoyed this conversation. Um, what is what is one thing that you would like people to take away and remember from our conversation? One thing. Um, I think that, um, well, from this conversation, I think Portugal has a lot of opportunities, for example. Um, if um, people that are watching, if we... I think that we have a lot of opportunities that we can we can and, and one of the things and if we are talking about people that came from other countries for example i think one of the things i think is very important when you travel is that you realize what your country have of good okay when you travel see, oof, you see a lot of stuff and say oh at least we have this good but you also have this notion that but this they have good and you could be better in our country okay so it's a two-way lesson, you go, you validate what you have, you give value to what you have, sometimes you don't do it. Um, and then you, you came this, uh, with this idea that you can do better, you can, you, know, you can, and uh, one of the things I would like to, if someone is listening to my, my podcast is that uh, if you come here, just try to bring something that could help, you know, the country, your experience, uh, uh, your culture, sometimes you have good things as well. And if you can help us out to do, you know, a better country and with a lot of stuff, that could be great, I think, uh, because we have a lot of opportunities. We were closed to the world for many years. 
And so, you know, this new vibe, this new ideas, this new uh, fresh um, people that come around with, with, with different uh, visions, that could be very cool. I think that you mm. could, you know, a better country. You maintain and protect what's good and add value and, well, maybe uh, try to, to get things better. For sure. Uh, Alexandra, how can people follow you online and see your work and see what you, what you guys are all up to? Well, I'm not very active uh, <laughs> on on internet, but uh, yeah, well, you have Instagram, you have all this Alexander Calder's design. Uh, it's in my profile. And then Bika Chair and Around the Tree, it's what, it's it's the two brands where I where I live and where I work every day. So yeah, you can and check. LinkedIn. We found each other on LinkedIn. So that's also... Yeah, yeah, I'm not very active on LinkedIn, but yeah. Um, I think it's 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 another platform. It's sometimes I go there. <laughs> Good stuff. Alshand, a question that we ask all of our guests: Portugal, the simple life. Why? Um, the simple life. Why? I, I don't know. I think that the Portuguese people uh, that simple life. Well, if if it was for me, I don't I don't have a simple life. <laughs> so I'm completely, you know, off with a lot of projects. I don't have a simple life, to be honest. But I understand what you're saying, okay? And what I what I think is that the, the Portuguese people and the culture, and from my relatives, and I think that we live well with what you we have, okay? So normally, you see strikes in France, and you see, you know, everybody lighting fire fire to the cities and in Spain and whatever, and you don't see it here because I think it's well, we live well with what we have. If we, we have this, we live with that. If you have more, you live with that. If you have a little bit less, you live with that. So I think that the simple life is a little bit like this. You know? At some point, you could, you could, you know, um, like this feeling that you, you don't have an ambition, okay? You could, you could think about that, uh, but uh, but I don't think it's that. I think we live cool. Live well, yeah, and it's, it's cool. If you have a little bit more, if you can get more, you live well as well. If you don't can have it, it's okay. So I think that simple life is really to that. You live with what you have, you know, cool without getting any any riots or, you know, just chill out. I like it. I like it. Alshan, thank, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It's been a pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you so much for, in, for the invitation. You're very welcome, and I'm going to let you call it. Okay, that's a wrap. So thank you once again to our guests and thank you to all of you for listening. Please subscribe, share with your friends, give us a thumbs up and please leave a comment or a review. We always love to hear from you. Don't forget, Portugal The Simple Life also has a magazine, so download it. It's for free. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. And as we say in Portugal, Cesar's bem-vindo. Welcome to The Simple Life.